Welcome to Sex Spoken Here with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I am a sex coach and relationship psychologist and created this show to help you solve any sexual problems, learn about all things sexy, sensual, and intimate, and create your ideal lasting relationship. In my virtual therapy room, I answer questions, interview experts, and provide tips that you can use straight away. Listen in weekly as I share key strategies to help you create a problem-free, exciting sex life. Make sure you join us to be up to date on all events and to easily access coaching at www.the-intimacy-coach.com. Welcome to my virtual therapy room. I am Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee, and this is Sex Spoken Here. Remember that this podcast deals with adult themes. So if you don't have privacy, you might wish to put on your headphones. Today is the third installment of the Sex Love series. I have invited my husband, TJ Scott, to join me. TJ Scott is a retired Teamster who worked for 26 years at Omega Cinema Props, the largest privately owned prop house in the United States. He is a part-time percussionist and artist. He currently works at Oxford Boarding Kennels. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So I would like you to start by um, describing a bit about your culture and background. Oh, describing my culture and background. All right, let's start out with the big part. I'm a military brat. I was raised in the military which in a whole different culture than a lot of people. Mm -hmm. To add to that, as you well know, I'm an Mm African-American. I have just finished my sixth decade, starting on my second, so that makes me 60 years old. I am bi, very opinionated, and uh, to be blunt, Kinky as fuck. <laughs> Grand. That's a great description. So um, when did you first become aware of yourself as a sexual being? When I was five. Mm-hmm. I can remember thinking I was going to go to hell because I was sitting in church looking at the rather buxom women in church, wondering what their breasts would be like in my mouth and hoping God was not going to strike me down. So you were... I wasn't... Go ahead. You were convinced that that you were going to hell? Well, I was raised in a very strict Baptist family. Mm-hmm. So I was raised that, you know, if you think it, it, it it's, it's, it's as bad as doing it. And I was not mm-hmm. thinking what would be their, what would it be like if their breasts were in my mouth producing milk? I wasn't thinking about milk. I just wanted right. their breasts in my mouth. So how- I was getting rather excited thinking about it. Right. So how do you think um, your upbringing influenced 
your ongoing sexual development. So your first awareness is that, that women are attractive and it makes you hot and you're very young. But at the same time that you have that awareness, you are sure that God's going to strike you down or you're going to hell because you're not supposed to have that awareness. Going forward, how do you think that impacted your sexual development? It slowed it down a lot. Mm-hmm. It, it, it made me... not do things that I really wanted to do because one, I didn't want God to find out. Two, I didn't want my parents to find out because I figured if God didn't see it right away and my parents did, they were going to tell God and I was going to hell. It, it always wound up with God's going to find out I'm going to hell. That slowed down a lot. Didn't stop it, but it slowed it down. So when, when was your next awareness? So you're five years old, you have this experience, and it slows things down. Where do you mm-hmm. move from there? Well, my mother was learning to be a nurse. Mm-hmm. And when you're a nurse, you have to study anatomy. Mm-hmm. And books at home. I had learned when I was four. My parents, because they didn't really want me to read anything and everything I could get my hands on. Hands on her medical books. And in doing so, I discovered the section on sexual organs. What they were, how they worked. So I wanted to know more. So at the age of seven, I managed to convince one of my sister's friends to let me see her vagina. And what happened? And not just see it. Well, let's just say it went from let me see it to let me touch it. And from let me touch it to I wonder what it tastes like. So at age seven was my first experience with cunnilingus. Now, your sister's friend was only a couple years older than you were, so like nine, yeah? She was, a, she was, I think, two years older than I was, yes. Yeah, so nine. I was so, seven, she was nine. So it went a little further than the usual playing doctor then. Yes, it did. Because I can be really convincing when I put my mind to it. So I know. But was it a good experience for you? Um, yes. Um, it, it, it taught me that there was more to it than the book let on. Uh-huh. Because, you know, medical books are pretty dry, you know. This is a vagina. These are the parts of the vagina. This is the mons. These are the lips. This is the clitoris. Okay, does that do? It wasn't my tight tongue on it that I realized what it did. And went, oh. Okay. And because I 
I like to make sure I do things as well as possible. So not knowing what exactly I had done, I took a step back and said more on the subject. I read as much as I could. Any book that I could find on human sexuality, I read. I wanted to know I wanted to know what my role was supposed to be beyond because at at that time back in the 60s that people talked about when they talked about sex it was about procreate about fun but what i experienced when i was 7 was she enjoyed that and I didn't know. So I watched how people interacted and realized a lot of problems that happened between human individuals had to do with sex. So okay. the tender age of nine I decided that I was not going to have sex until I was high school. Now, so you waited until you were 19 to lose your virginity. Why did you make that decision? Why, why did you make that decision? I had seen friends stop being friends because they both liked the same girl or a, a girl get mad at her boyfriend because she had found out that he had been seen with somebody else and it always seemed to have to do with sex and being black I wanted to make sure nothing got in the way and I as being one of the biggest downfalls of education Kids getting pregnant, having to drop out of school, having to take care of the kid. The guy's now ostracized because he got a girl pregnant. Didn't want any of that. So I decided just to not do any of that until I was an adult on my own. So really, so you, it, was, it was calculated so that you would make sure that you got your high, at least your high school education before the, what you perceived to be the craziness of sex got it was, away. It was, it was a calculated plan. It had nothing to do with overreacting. I just didn't. Okay. So I didn't. I mean, other than what normal males tend to do when they reach puberty, masturbate. Right. Masturbating. So, when did you discover you were bisexual? When did I discover, or when did I finally just admit to it? Two different things. Well, why don't you tell us both? <laughs> I found that generally speaking, be out with my parents or friends and 
I heard the women talk about a guy being handsome, I would look. And I wasn't saying he's good looking. I would go, you know, he's handsome. Until I realized what kind of connotation handsome had. Men mm -hmm. don't generally say that men are handsome. They say that they're good looking, but they don't say handsome. I tried using good looking, but that never seemed to quite do it. And because this was, of course, still early on, there was no big talk about being bisexual because I found that I found men to be handsome and I found women to be beautiful and I liked looking at both, but didn't know what that meant. <laughs> so, of course, because as I said, I was raised in a pretty strict Christian household with certain definitions of men who like men. I pulled back from exploration of that firsthand. It was mm -hmm. always there, but it was it never never manifested because let's face it, I was afraid. I was still afraid of being condemned and going to hell. Mm -hmm. it, it was the overarching concern up until I entered high school. So when did you admit it to yourself? I finally admitted to myself that I was bi when I was 25. I was no longer living under my parents' roof. Mm -hmm. I had opened up myself about my true spirituality. I now realized that my sexual appetites weren't going to condemn me to, to burn in the fiery Christian hell. And I was able to go, all right, what is it that I like? And the answer was both. I, I like both. I, I like men's bodies. I like women's bodies. I, I want to touch them. I want to do things with them. I want both. And I came out to my close friends. They were like, you have a really strange look on your face. I said, yes, I just realized that I'm bi. Which, of course, was met with, you're kidding, right? And I said, no, not kidding. It lost, it lost me a few friends. But I was finally free of any impediments to who I was, what I liked, and what I was going to do about it. So when was, when you, you did you lose your virginity in a relationship or just to somebody you liked? Oh. <laughs> okay. This is a two-parter. My 19th birthday, I decided I was going to get de-virginized. Did not have any female friends at the time. I am a single male sailor in San Diego. Uh-huh. So I did what any 
stalwart young men would do, I went to a massage parlor. Of course. So I went to a massage parlor. I gave the woman my money. We went into the room and we proceeded to go at it. <sighs> About 25 minutes later, he tells me to move. She gets dressed and hands me my money back. I, of course, asked her, what did I do wrong? She said, nothing, nothing at all. It's not every day that the John makes me come. You didn't, so I'm giving you your money back. So I figured, okay, got to be something wrong with me. That's not how it's supposed to work. First time out, I'm a guy that should have been as easy as taking the top off of a pop bottle. I should have been done. Okay, didn't work. We go on our West Pacific cruise. We go to the Philippines. I'm sitting in a bar with my buddies at a table. This older woman comes over to me, looks me in the face and says, you're coming with me. I don't know her for anything. I'm looking at the guys. They hadn't set it up. I said, why? She said, you're a virgin. I'm taking care of that. And she did. So you were still considered a virgin because you didn't reach orgasm. Yes. That, uh, uh, apparently, she thought so, too. That's an interesting definition of virginity. Um, yeah, that's one that I need to I need to spend some time thinking about because um, I I've recently done some writing and some speaking about the fact that virginity in many ways is really a myth and and that it is all the research shows that it isn't as simple the hymen isn't a simple thing it doesn't cover the whole thing it grows back after it's been broken etc 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 so it's quite interesting to me that. Lack of an orgasm would make you considered a virgin because I know many, many women who had sex for many, 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 many years before they had an orgasm and many who have never had an orgasm with penetrative sex. So I guess that would mean they're still virgins. Well, like I said, she was the one who told me I was a virgin. I figured I wasn't. She, on the other hand, had other ideas. I think that's very interesting. Um, So... What was sex like in your, I know I'm jumping around a bit, but what was sex like in in your first marriage? Initially, it was pretty good. Unfortunately, it came to, well, it started to bog down and then it stopped. She wanted every sexual activity to be role-playing and there were times I just wanted sex mm-hmm. I didn't want to have to assume an identity I just wanted sex so what identities did you I mean what identities did you assume oh well I, my first wife and I played Dungeons and Dragons ah okay she wanted to fuck all of my personas. Right. So she wanted to fuck the characters and she didn't really she want to fuck. She wanted to fuck the characters. Basically, yeah. 
She didn't want to fuck me. She wanted to fuck them. That's kind of sad. And after a while, I just didn't want to be them. I wanted to be me having right. sex. And she basically said, I'm no role play, no sex. I said, well, then I guess there's going to be no sex. Wow. So there was no sex. And so that relationship ended. Yes, it did. 12-year relationship, gone. And then your second wife. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I mean, this is an interesting one for me because um, when I met you, and, and I also met your second wife, and I did understand very, very quickly, in my view anyway, that she really didn't like men at all um that really she should have been with a woman but you didn't seem to have gotten that i suspected but i i like to give people the benefit of the doubt unless i have proof since I had not seen her go outside of our marriage and cheat with a woman, since I had never seen her interact with a woman in any way that I would have considered sexual, I wasn't going to go, look, why don't you get what it is you need and we can just be friends and go about our merry way. So what you, but what you did instead was really stay in a situation where you had, I mean, and like, you know, no judgment here. I did the same thing in a situation where you just had no sex. Yes. And what was that? What was that like for you? Because that was quite a long, dry spell. What was that like for you? Well, I I, I learned to take care of my physical needs from my first marriage. Mm -hmm. So. When, it when I realized that it was going to be that again, I took care of my own physical needs until I realized that this was seeming too similar to my first marriage, and I asked for a divorce. But I mean, you know, it's interesting to me because masturbation is something that is a wonderful thing and is something that should be part of your sexual life, whether you're married or not, because it's part yeah. of of a way of, of interacting sexually. It's just your relationship yes. with yourself. And I'm a strong believer that that really shouldn't be something that makes people uncomfortable because they're in a relationship. Like they find out their partner oh. masturbates. It should always be like, yeah, of course. It shouldn't be an issue. Oh, I, was, I was not uncomfortable with the idea of masturbation. No, but what I, what I find interesting is that that's kind of you being relegated to that sort of situation. Um, is, is a different reason for using masturbation. I mean, you can use yes. it when you're mismatched and desire and stuff, but to have it be the only thing in a marriage is again, quite sad. And like I said, you know, I've, I've been there, done that, know what it's like. Yes. So, um, so, when did you, you, you know, you, you said you, you, you described yourself as kinky as fuck. When did you really first start acting on that? When I, when did I start acting on it? Oh, goodness. Properly acting on it. Properly? 
Once my second marriage dissolved. So that means with me. Yes. <laughs> I, yes. Had, I had briefly toyed around with it with a friend. However, my girlfriend at the time and all of my friends were so uncomfortable with the dynamic that was being presented that they basically gave me the ultimatum of either you break it off or we're all going away. Did that, was that a, a feminism thing? I think that's what it was. I think they were uncomfortable with the idea of the man, the man being a dominant since that pretty much was the way society was anyway. Right. Yeah. No. And I, and I know, um, I mean, some listeners will know this and others will not. I mean, there is a, a movement that suggests that that's not, that um, a male being dominant and a female being submissive isn't suggest, isn't acceptable because it suggests that a woman can't freely choose to be in that position. Now it's probably obvious, but I highly disagree with that statement. Um, I am an adult and I can make, a consensual choice to be how to behave how I want and to be how I want and enter into a dynamic. And um, it, so it's, it's my, not something well, my, I agree with. Mind you, the young lady was the one who initiated it. That's not unusual. Yeah, no, I wasn't suggesting that you were the so, one. Who... So that my friends rounded on me is the part that really irritated me more than anything. They're like, they were like, you're doing this. And I'm like, but too. Yeah. Yeah. You forgot about consent guys. So that's an interesting one for yes. me. It's also, and I will point this out, um, something to highlight for those of you who are getting older and who haven't tried haven't actually really tried and really engaged in some of the behaviors and some of the um, scenarios that have really grabbed you or haven't fully expressed a part of your sexual self. Um, so at that time you were almost 51. Yes. Yeah. And I, th and, and I'm highlighting that because people see, have this idea that if you haven't gotten there by then, you're never going to get there. And it's just rubbish. Oh, that is so not true. <laughs> In, uh, truth be told, it had always been there. Of course. It's whether you act I, on it or not. I, right. I, I, I probably knew pretty much a good portion of what I now practice by the time I was 14, mm -hmm. I had read Marquis de Sade. I had read about Torquemada. I had read any and everything to do with bondage and domination and sadomasochism. I knew what it was. I knew what it wasn't. I knew how to do it. I knew what to use. I didn't have any of it, but I knew what to do with it. I just didn't have a partner to do it with, which as I was growing up there, and as you also know, there 
you you couldn't just walk down the street and see a club that said BDSM come no. on in. No, it wasn't I mean, there. No, I mean I think that's the thing is is that you it, it was a nod and a wink and a signal and a hanky and a um, yes. And if and particularly if you weren't looking if you weren't looking within the gay community. Um, because you were at the time looking at an opposite sex partner, then it was even harder because there, I, I mean, there just was, it was very difficult. Everything was hidden. Yes. If you didn't know somebody, chances are you weren't going to find it. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't know that I knew people because they weren't talking about it either. No. <laughs> I have, I have since come to find out that I would have to say a good 75% of my friends are and have been kinky. They were kinky back when I didn't know that they were kinky. <laughs> and they're now looking at me going, well, we didn't know you were kinky. And I'm like, well, I didn't know you were kinky. I mean, there were times that, because I am also a, a, a pagan, that there were rituals, and I was always told, okay, don't come before this, this time. And I would show up, and you could feel that something had already happened. You weren't sure what, but something had happened between the people who were there. And it wasn't until later that I found out that what had happened was they were into SM. So they, they had basically raised power through that before I got there. Well, that sucks. You missed yeah, the good well, part. Yeah, I missed the good part. <laughs> which, which we now can go back and laugh at because they're like, whoa. Well, we couldn't have done it anyway because you were married to her and we weren't sure what she would have done. And, 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 and they're right. So, um, polyamory, because we haven't yes. mentioned it yet. Um, I have been openly polyamorous longer than I have been openly kinky. Yeah. What, what does that feel like for you? I mean, I know it sounds an odd question, but I know for me that um, it's always been me. I have been monogamous in relationships. I've been monogamous yeah. in marriages and, and you know, I, I've done it. Well, in one marriage anyway, in the other marriage I wasn't, it was a poly. Um, but, but that always felt wrong. And I remember, I remember kind of feeling like what I was being taught, what I had been taught growing up was wrong, that I had to have one person to meet all my needs. And the bit of that that felt wrong to me was one, that one person would meet all your needs, but two, that I always found myself loving more than one person. That wasn't unusual for me. Um, and it wasn't uncomfortable for me, except the societal messages about whether that was okay. I knew I didn't like affairs. It doesn't mean I never had one. 
I did. In fact, two. Um, actually, mm-hmm. I was single for, yeah. I had one when I was in the relationship. Um, and I didn't like lying. I never liked lying. I hated that. Um, I, and I hated when people lied to me. So to me, polyamory made perfect sense. You know, you act like adults, you negotiate, and you agree what works for you. Well, for, for me, funnily enough, I came to that from my, quote-unquote, strict Christian upbringing. Hmm. Because while people do present themselves, well, you know, it's one man and one woman, strangely enough, when you read the Old Testament, most of their heroes had wives and concubines. Yep. And these were the good guys. Yeah. So I was like, wait, but, but you hold this guy in reverence, and he had several wives and dozens of concubines, and you're okay with that. So I started thinking about that. Okay, well, why does that work? And because I was a military brat, and because I was thrown into the mix with lots of different cultures, I met lots of friends who were from different cultures, and they were the ones who actually explained to me how that works. They're like, oh, yes, you could have lots of wives, provided you could provide for each and every one. And of course, I went, what do you mean provide? He went, provide everything. You Basically, you couldn't have more than you could take care of. Mm. It was later that I understood that that was polyamory. It's like, oh, so everybody knows that everybody is with everybody. Everybody knows. And I started to realize that I actually liked that as a model. If, if you're with someone and, they're, and you like them, but they're not doing everything, but you find somebody else who does and your partner is okay with them, then okay, what's the harm in that? If everyone knows and everyone is getting their needs met, Where's the harm? Everyone's needs are being met. Which to me is the important part. Are the needs being met? My, my current wife, I think you know her, is bi. She likes men and she likes women. So that means that there are going to be times that she's going to go, "Ah, there's a woman over there and I would really like to play with her. And is it okay? And I'm going to say, no, that doesn't seem right to me. And I mean, it, it, but it is the common, common response or, or, or not. I mean, for a lot of people, it's not no, but it's like only if you bring her home and that misses the point that bisexual doesn't necessarily mean want to share you know although although i don't mind that and 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 situations have arisen where that's happened and it's been lots of fun but you know yeah i mean if 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 you brought home somebody and they and and they were in a sharing mood okay i'm good with that but if you said that 
I, I just met this wonderful person and we talked and we hit it off and clicked. And I would really, really, really like to take her and just fuck her brains out. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I don't see any harm being done. I know about it. Well, I, think I have thing given is, my permission. I think the thing is, is that people, I think some people would blanch at the idea of permission, but b because we're in a, um, I mean, I, I, okay, so there's, I have two things to say to that. One is that because we're in a power exchange relationship, it would be permission, but it would be permission anyway, because if, if you're just going to go off and do what you want, that kind of agreement doesn't usually work. It usually works exactly. to say that you've, you've gotten permission in advance because you both have agreed that you could go off and do yes. what you want, you know? Yes. Um, but, um, there are yeah. levels of permission and types of permission. Yeah. yeah. And I, I do think that's really an important thing to highlight um, because some people have real issues with hierarchy. We don't, you know, and I, and no. I, I say that we don't, we play with hierarchy. It's fun. Um, and um, this, some of our friends would probably blanch at hearing that as well. But for me to say, we play I with think it. So. Well, we do. I'm sorry. Well, we well, you you have heard it quite a few times that I'm such a nice guy. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but and you hear often, I think, which is that I think some folks in the um, some folks who really have an idea of how their submissive should behave or how their slave should behave will look at you. And because, look at how you behave and they don't get it. Yeah. Because I speak out because I, I, um, I run a lot of things, <laughs> you well, know, yes. and, but that's who I am. And, and so it works really well for us that well, you're comfortable yes, it does. with that. Yeah. It works well. I'm for very us. comfortable with it. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. But if you weren't comfortable with that, we would have problems. Yes, we would. And no, we don't. Yeah, no, and we don't. And that's because we, we kind of worked on this. And I think it's important yes. to say that we worked on this beforehand. And I was very honest about who I am. Um, yes. You know, at, at, by that point in my life, I really did know. And I, and, you know, I, I continue to evolve. But you're with me every step of the way. So that makes it easier. Yes. Yes, it does. I, I support you being authentically you. That's what I want. That's what I liked about you. That's, that's what got us talking the first time I met you. That's true. You came in and here was a woman wearing a collar that I knew was not jewelry. Mm. And was not hiding it. You were yep. authentically you. Yep. And I'm sorry. I went, ooh. Pretty. <laughs> so you did. And I was off balance the rest of the weekend. Um, Good. <laughs> job done. Um, so what do you hope for the future? What do I hope for the future? Yeah. Um, I would like our lives to continue together 
growing, maturing, exploring until we are two wrinkled raisins laying in the same bed going, fuck off, we're not dead yet. <laughs> Amen to that. That's what I hope for. So um, we mentioned at the beginning of this that you're an artist. And if anybody is interested mm -hmm. in TJ's artwork. I do okay. Yeah, you do do okay. There, there's a link to um, a collection of his art on the podcast notes. Thank you for doing this with me. Oh, no problem. I, I, I've told you before, any, any time you, you want me to be irreverent on your show, just tell me. <laughs> so today we spoke about masturbation, bisexuality, virginity, um, growing up in a Baptist Christian home, BDSM, and non-monogamy. Yes. If you were triggered or if any of this resonates with you, please do email me. Um, Dr. Dr. Bisbee at the-intimacy-coach.com. That's D-R-B-I-S-B-E-Y at the-intimacy-coach.com. You can email me for more information. I'm also going to list some resources on these topics on the podcast pages as part of the podcast notes. Thanks for joining me for Sex Spoken Here with Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. Please write to me with suggestions. Y'all folk need to, need to write this woman. You need to get some information. I'm telling you. <laughs> Please write with questions you want answered at drbisbee at the-intimacy-coach.com. Do follow me on Twitter and Instagram where I'm at drbisbee. Check out my Facebook page and my YouTube channel, and that's Lori Beth Bisbee. And I also have a TV channel on the Bon Bon Network. The link is on the podcast notes. For a free 30-minute strategy session with me, go to https colon forward slash forward slash the-intimacy-coach.com and click on the button that says schedule now on the contact page. Please leave a review on iTunes and or Stitcher. The next five people who leave a review for this podcast on either one will receive a 10% discount on any of my services. I look forward to next week's sex love story. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to Sex Spoken Here with Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review here on iTunes or on Stitcher. And make sure you head over to www.the-intimacy-coach.com to subscribe for free newsletter updates to help you create and sustain an exciting trouble-free sexual life. Stay tuned for upcoming weekly episodes on all topics, sexy, sensual, and intimate. Thanks for listening.